We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artest has jumped over the scorer's table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Tuesday, November 6th edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast, sponsored by by DraftKings. My name is Joe Bartle, and alongside me, as always, is Alex Barutha. Normally, I have some sort of cutesy intro. Uh, we were unable to do the Monday podcast on its normally scheduled Monday time because uh, some complications arose with my schedule. We'll take the Tuesday version of this with the four-game slate and no real cutesy intro except for the really NBA happenings that occurred over this weekend. So Kevin Love, we knew he was going to be out for six weeks following that foot surgery. We had discussed Kevin Love a little bit last week. Right. Uh, and I feel like we kind of came to the conclusion that this was going to be a multi-week, potentially month-long absence, and lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, there there was no reason for him to try to play through some foot injury. I mean, the team's one in nine. He just they're Cleveland's kind of spiraling out of control right now. Um, but hey, far, at least Larry Drew's their head coach for the the season for the future. Yeah, right. 
Um, and I think we kind of talked about it last pod. Like, I'm not really sure what you do from a fantasy perspective because the, the the players who are doing well on any given night, it's all over the place. Tristan Thompson put up like 40 fantasy points on two occasions since Love has been out. You have Chucky Osman like still struggling to go over 20 at times. George Hill had 44 fantasy points yesterday. Like I have no idea what's going on. So um, it's, I don't really know what to I don't know who you pick up. I don't know what you do about it. No, I, I agree with you. And I think that kind of it, it focuses exactly what we're seeing with the Cavs as a whole. Like, there's no way we can figure out what they're doing as a team. It's tough to figure out what we can do with fantasy wise either. I just, like, I anticipate Kevin Love will come back after those six weeks. They're not going to rest him longer than that. Really, right. the biggest value at this point in the, is to try and trade him, get, yes. drum up some interest to get a quality asset because, boy, you look up and down that roster, there are very few quality assets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, like I, I like certain players that they have. Right. Um, you know, Osmond's a good example. And I still like Sexton. Uh, yes. I'll be on that train for a while now. And that, and that's fine. Like he played well in summer league, like mm-hmm. he showed upside. I think, you know, rookie point guards usually struggle. It's not time. We, we can't panic yet about Colin Sexton. Um, but yeah, they definitely, they definitely need some more young pieces. Um, and the the main issue is who do you trade Kevin Love to, and what are you getting in return? Um, you know, it, I, I'm kind of going up and down the teams here, just eyeballing some teams that are like cl- top of the league. Portland's always those options, or you know, Portland's always one of those teams that used to get thrown around, right. like Kevin Love or CJ McCollum. Used to be a popular trade idea, but they're nine and one right now. So I don't know if they'd be I would looking imagine to, his price has or not to nine be, and one, sorry, seven and three. Yeah. I would imagine his price has to be as low as it's been at any point in his career, really since probably he was traded from the Timberwolves, right? Like I, with coming off the injury, um, we haven't really seen him be the dominant scorer that he was pre Cavs, pre LeBron. I, I imagine that the price for Kevin Lowe is going to be incredibly low and you could probably get him for what we'll look at the trade deadline and be like oh god why why did they trade for that <laughs> like it's going to be you know, 40 cents on the dollar kind of deal right and yeah he's he is right now he just turned 30 like two months ago he we already know he's injury prone he is making 24 million this year the final year of his deal and is in 2022-23 and he's going to make 29 million dollars so more seasons yet of that right yeah after this season there's four more seasons at basically 30 million dollars a year for a 30 year old with it i mean i yeah i think his game translates well enough as he gets older like he'll still have that three-point shooting the rebounding aspect might go down but he's never been a huge jumping guy the athleticism part hasn't been to his game no I, I, yeah and he's not going to get better at defense. No one gets better at defense right. when they're older. Right. And he's already a defensive liability. Yeah, that's that's an ugly situation. I don't know. I think his his value is going to be low, at least in terms of fantasy wise. This is it's difficult if you were in a you know, we we talk about the twenty team twenty team uh, rotowire league all the time. But if you are in a ten or twelve team league, I don't. You're not dropping Kevin Love certainly, but no. I I, I mean like it's it's a difficult situation. Would you deal him to somebody that might be? trying to acquire somebody like they have a team set up i don't know it's it's tough like we're only in one, one month of your season you probably don't have a lot of uh things figured out for your fantasy team just yet either yeah i mean it's it's hard to i think make um you know a, a trade with kevin love in a in a redraft league if you're right. in a keeper league you might be able to work something out depending on your standing some other people's place in the standings um but yeah in a, in a redraft league i don't know who's taking 
Kevin Law, like what you're really trying to get back. Like if you're close to the, you know, if you're if you're pushing for the number one, you know, if you're close to number one at the top of your standings, you might just try to trade Kevin Love for someone who's healthy, a top eighty player who's healthy, because a month and a half is significant times, especially in the category department. Right, and so we, I mean, on RotoWire, we adjusted the projections of Kevin Love for the games he's going to miss, right. decrease production. And at this point, it doesn't really seem like he'll have like assuming he's assuming he gets healthy and stays healthy, which is a question anyway. Mm-hmm. He may not be better than the 80th, 90th ranked fantasy player on the year. So if you can trade Kevin Love and get a 90th ranked fantasy player and try to keep yourself afloat in the standings, you might just have to do that and kind of deal with what happens later. Yeah, the ramifications kind of. That, that's what happens when you have somebody missing six weeks in the right. NBA season and could be prolonged. Like, you just don't know what the Cavs are going to choose to do with the one of the few assets they have on their team. We'll transition to a just equally confusing situation, frankly. Serge Ibaka <laughs> goes for a career-high 34 points versus the Lakers, 15 of 17 uh, from field goal range. I mean, or like his field goal percentage, that's incredible. And then he followed that up by going 8 for 8 for 17 points in just 14 minutes against the Jazz on Sunday, or on Monday, I should say. So... What do you make of Serge Ibaka moving forward? What do you make of that Raptors team moving forward? I mean, they are clearly one of the the best teams, if not the best team, in the uh, Eastern Conference, excluding their one game loss to the Bucks. Or uh, I don't know. I think like Ibaka is a very interesting name here. Yeah, they. Um, I mean, they're they. I mean, they look incredible. Right. And just as far as I think Nick Nurse, now that he's the actual head coach instead of an assistant, is pushing more of his system that he was trying to get Dwayne Casey to run at the time. And so I think we're seeing a more extreme version of what we saw last year that helped them be so so successful. And um, Kawhi Leonard is better than DeMar DeRozan. That helps. Um, <laughs> oh, is he? That's, yeah, that's a hot take. Right, exactly. <laughs> and just Serge Ibaka specifically, he's spending, according to basketball reference, 100% of his minutes are at center. I haven't watched enough Toronto Raptors basketball to tell you whether literally 100% of his minutes are at center, but that's compared to 13% last year. So they're playing him more at center. He's taking um, about one and a half fewer threes per game this year. He's getting to the free throw line about one and a half more times. Um, Like he's shooting 59%. That's not sustainable, but he's being more aggressive. He's playing more center, which I think is his natural position. And it's, it's paying off. It's working well. Well, and that's kind of following Pascal Siakam taking over at the power forward spot mm-hmm. primarily, and that's Valanciunas really losing out most of the minutes there. Let's, I mean, contract aside, he's really more of a bit player Valanciunas is in that lineup than anything else. And that's you're seeing. I mean, is Ibaka really small ball center? No, probably not. But I think he kind of fits the pace of the game that we were talking about in our initial podcast, where the NBA is just moving faster and there's more three point opportunities. And not that you're kind of getting rid of the rebounding, but just the transition, the pace of the game is so much different where I think a guy like Ibaka makes a ton of sense at that center spot. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, he, like I said, he's not shooting as many threes, but he has that range. I mean, right. we know he has, and he's, you know, he he's a important presence near the rim. I mean, when he played for Oklahoma City, he was one of the best rim protectors in the league. He led the league in blocks two years in a row per game. And so having him, you know, I know he's older now, having him near the rim is still a great way to do things. Um, he is, I'm looking at their, uh, box score plus minus per 100 possessions. And he is essentially the fourth highest on the team. Uh, it goes Lowry, Siakam, Danny Green, Ibaka, Leonard, 
Um, Valanciunas is a little low at minus 11, but he, I, I still like Valanciunas as a player. Like Me too. Me 20, too. You put him in 20 minutes, he could easily get you 15 and 12 somehow. Right. Like he's just dominant in the minutes that he's in. Um, and well, he can he shoot threes me, too now. He reminds me of Brooke Lopez a little bit, or not not Lopez the player, but the addition of Brooke Lopez going to the Bucks has kind of helped uh, really solidify things for Milwaukee. And I think right. the same can be said for what Valanciunas brings as a player to that Raptors team. I, I still think Ibaka is the way to go, and, and Siakam getting so many more minutes. I mean, he's played over 30 in uh, five of the last six games, and he's 37, 33, 33, 27, 35, 31. Prior to that, it was 20, 20, 26. Like, I mean... I don't think it's it's unreasonable to say that the the rise in the Raptors play has kind of coincided with Siakam developing as really the prototypical four in today's NBA game. Yeah, he's a he's a great athlete. He'll run the floor. Run the, I I feel like I've heard people talk about him as like one of the fastest players in the league, just like foot speed up, you know, end to end. Um, and that's I mean, for someone who is six foot nine, I mean that's that's incredibly important because you're you're getting back or you're running in transition, easy layups that way. He's not going to keep shooting 61% from the field, um, but he shot 51% last year, and he shot 50% during his rookie year. So he's basically a 50% shooter. We know he's a good defender. He's averaging 7.5 boards per game in 27 minutes. Um, solid passer. It, it's just, I mean, the the Raptors are in a really interesting spot where they're, they're set for right now, clearly, mm-hmm. and they have enough young players to where, let's say they lose out on the Kawhi Leonard situation, they still have pieces to rebuild and that was the whole plan it was like well we can move demar to rosen go for this championship in just this one year and worst case scenario we lose Kawhi leonard but we still have this young core and more cap flexibility so they're in a good spot now and they're in a good spot three I think to five if they years lost from now leonard, let's not discount that like if they lost leonard they're they're very clearly the number three team at the very least in the AFCs behind or AFCs kind of. <laughs> see like this is the problem when I do the NFL podcast then go to NBA is that I'm going to throw in these e- right. AFCs references all the time. <laughs> in the Eastern Conference, they're going to be behind the Celtics, behind the Bucks. I would imagine right. if they were to lose Leonard, but that's like, Leonard's playing at an MVP caliber level right now. Like uh, that's what's going to happen. That doesn't mean that they are a bad team moving forward. And I agree with you that the core that they have, maybe like if Lowry kind of has his production slip, which we've seen in past years, but he's risen to the occasion this season, then there's a situation where they fall down to that five, six, seven seed after they lose Leonard. But th- there, there is no, there's no reasonable future that has them out of the playoff contention in the AFC. Or, gosh, start it all in the East. <laughs> Boy, this is going to be a problem. I feel like in the East uh, moving forward. Yeah. I, <laughs> the AFC is not never been so much AFC. East talk I, yeah. On the, on an uh, NBA podcast. Who knew? <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, they have, they have, they kind of have a jump-started rebuild in a worst-case scenario. Yes. I mean, they have – these are all players 26 or under. Valanchunas, DeLon Wright, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi. And OG Ananobi's 21. Yes. And he's the most promising player probably of that whole group that just isn't getting utilized right now in the current Raptors form. Right. And so, yeah, even if Lowry's out of the picture, they, they yeah, get rid of him exactly. somehow. Yeah, they're they're in a pretty good spot. Well, let's move to a different player that isn't a pretty good spot. At least he was uh, Monday night, right? He was. That's where Jamal Murray, uh, Jamal Murray scores forty-eight, a career high against the Celtics. And we talk about the points score, but really the kind of news that drew attention to his performance was him chucking up a three-pointer at the end of the game to try to get to that fifty-one, fifty-point threshold. I don't. There's a lot of different things that I have uh, coming off that. Of course. Kyrie Irving was frustrated that Murray was uh, attempting to score with the game well in hand for the Nuggets. 
why is 50 points now suddenly a threshold that we're all really excited about? I, we had Derrick Rose like bawling about that. Okay, great. There's a lot of different things that came off the situation, I understand. But I don't remember 50 points ever being this, woo, we have to get to this threshold. And apparently that's what's happening in the 2018 NBA season. I don't understand. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think maybe it's a, a function of we're going, because of the pace of play is increased, we're going to have more players in that 40-ish range. Okay. And was 40 something that we celebrated 5 years ago? I didn't didn't remember that being the case. I just Oh yeah, okay, he got 40 points. Cool. He had a good night, but not like, yeah, this is a this is an amazing kind of thing that I feel like 50 points is being taken into account where people are jacking up shots that they shouldn't be taking when they're well ahead, right? Right. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's just one of those like um one of those things where it's like people love the round number. People love, you know, 50, okay. it's like halfway to 100, which, you know, like it's just, it's arbitrary. It's like the triple-double is arbitrary. Yeah. It, 10, 10, 10 doesn't actually, there's no reason that means anything. It's just double-digit numbers. But people, people love to see the 50. They love to see the triple-double. Just Not that I'm not impressed by 50 points. Certainly, I couldn't score 50 points in our pickup basketball game on Monday, <laughs> much less in the NBA. But Talk to me when you score 60 like that, that like a 60 point, I'm, I'm going to get impressed when there's a 60 point performance as opposed to a 40 or 50 game. Like that's like, oh yeah, okay, good, good job. You had a really good, good performance. I don't, I don't, I don't know why you'd be heaving up three pointers at the end of the game just to try to cross that threshold. I, that That's a weird arbitrary number. Like you said that we're like, all right, as a NBA culture, we're going to get jacked about 50 points. Uh, no, like I, that, that's. Uh, I understand Kyrie Irving's perspective too, like as a player, uh, just in the pickup sense of games. Like, yeah, I'm going to get frustrated when the game's well on hand and you're still trying to score. Right. There are there are people that are going to say, and I kind of lean towards this when it gets to the NBA, if you don't like it, stop him, right? Like right. you could have probably had a hand in him not scoring 48 points where he could have been in a position to get to that threshold to begin with. Well, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like, know? yeah, it, it's it's one of those situations where like some team will mess up a last second play and everyone blames this last second play when there were a hundred plays before, before that that yeah. put them in that spot, and it's it's an easy thing to point to and and all that. But I I mean I think it's a I mean for Murray I mean Murray's twenty one years old. He exactly. put up a fifty point game at twenty one years old. I mean that's I like I don't care what era of basketball it is in what context. Like fifty points at twenty one years old is is crazy, um, or forty eight points at uh, twenty one <laughs> years old is crazy. Um, so, I mean, I, yeah, it w- it wasn't great that he, he launched for fifth. It's not sportsman like quote unquote. Right. Um, but I, 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 that shouldn't take away from the fact that Jamal Murray put up 48 points. This just in the nuggets are very good at basketball. Like we, we had talked about this. We yeah. talked about this on the first podcast that we kind of suggested the nuggets might be the biggest risers so far. And to beat a gamey Celtic squad, I know that they're not as, um, well, as good as a lot of people are anticipating they would be, or kind of, I think the, the thought process was the Celtics were easily the best team in the Eastern Conference, and that hasn't been the case, but they are still a very good team. So the fact that the Nuggets getting a quality victory, and thanks in large part to Murray, is a, is a good deal for them. But I, this just, to me, feels like much to do about nothing, right? Like, okay, cool. You, you got 48 points. You could have got 51. All right, cool. Irving could probably not get as frustrated as you got with him jacking the three-pointer. I don't know. Just... This is this is one of those things where we're so early in the NBA season, we're desperate for any sort of non-Lakers, non-LeBron storylines, and here you go. This is this is the one thing we can kind of 
counter on for one day right and the game itself was a kind of a bigger game than i think either team would have expected this early on into the season yes i mean the at this point the you know the nuggets are the second best team in the west they have the eighth best offense the third best defense i mean at this they really feel like they're ahead of the pack and boston is kind of slipping like we talked about Mm -hmm. like um they're six and four and they've had their issues just I mean, mostly putting the ball in the basket. They're 27th in offensive rating. Which is weird to say, given they have Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, guys like Tatum's kind of developed into an all-star caliber player. There's Jalen Brown, who has been injured, but still a scorer, and yet 27th is scoring. That's that's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. I um, I mean, they're, they're second in defense, and that should stick. I mean, they're a great defensive team. Yeah. So at the very least, you know, you figure their offense will get better and their defense should stay the same. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's right now the way the Bucks are playing and the way the Raptors are playing, I think there's, there's a little, you know, I think we have to, at this point, start wondering, I mean, we're 10 games into the season. I mean, you know, it's still early, but, um, they gotta, they gotta figure something out. I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm, I'm, of course, we're both Bucks fans here. This is a, a right. Wisconsin <laughs> broadcast podcast, so we're going to be leading Milwaukee all the way. But I think there's a very clear top three teams. It's Raptors, Celtics, Bucks. In what order you want to place them, I think could change by the week, by the month, certainly. And the reason that you mentioned the Celtics defense is just really good, and they're going to be good all season. That offense, particularly with Brad Stevens as the coach, I'm not worried at all about the Celtics figuring out how to score with a guy like Kyrie Irving or Hayward around. Like it's just that's that's going to be something that happens, and when it does, that's my concern because the defense is going to be there from the beginning to the end. The offense, it's going to figure itself out at some point. The Celtics are among the best three teams in the Eastern Conference now. If they're the best three teams in the NBA that's where that offense difference lies right and they've had the seventh most difficult schedule so far there you go yeah so you know that that's going to factor into it somewhat and um once that once that changes i'm sure they'll get on a stretch where they'll win six in a row and seven in a row and this will feel like it this six and four stretch will probably feel like it never even happened exactly well, with this podcast taking place on Tuesday, there's only four games to discuss for today's slate. We'll kind of touch on Wednesday's slate as well, too. At least that's the plan. Pre-production here. We'll see <laughs> how long, when did we get about Tuesday's slate. But right. first, uh, a word from Playline. Try out Playline.com, the fastest growing sports gaming platform in the space. You have a chance to win a million dollars for free every day, and over a billion dollars in prizes are available this year. It was founded by UFC champion Michael Bisping and two-time NBA All-Star Roy Hibbert. Playline.com is fantasy sports simplified. Unlike more traditional daily fantasy sites, which require you to set a complicated and tedious lineup using a salary cap, Playline picks the players for you and only requires you to predict their stat lines. Something like how many points Yas is going to score tonight, or how many rebounds will DeAndre Ayton consume? How many assists is Damian Lillard going to dish out? Lock it in and wait for your winnings. For a limited time only, Playline.com will be offering a 200% initial deposit bonus. They're going to triple your money. You really can't beat that. So use promo code NBA Millionaire to get uh, to get in on that Playline.com 200% initial offering. So that's a great uh, great deal for a lot of NBA fans, and certainly a great deal for us as we've been kind of getting to utilize Playline a little bit. Uh, and I've been liking the site so far. So yeah, it's been great. Uh, well, let's touch on some of the significant injuries that occurred, frankly, Monday. I'm really, there's a lot of things surprisingly throughout that slate. And then a few of the injuries that could impact today's slate on Tuesday. So Russell Westbrook, I think the biggest name out of yesterday's injury news, he did sprain mm-hmm. his ankle. 
in the NBA, a sprained ankle can go from one game out to two weeks. Like it really, really depends. And it's not the grade so much. It just, it seems like however the team wants to treat these injuries moving forward. Right. And thankfully, um, Westbrook had x-rays that came back negative. So no, you know, no structural or at least no you know bone damage. Right. You didn't break anything, um, which is good, obviously. But um, really just not a great situation for OKC. I mean, maybe he's out for one or two games, but the, the way that he looked limping off the floor, like he was not putting weight on it, really. He had his arms around two train. I think it was two trainers or two assistant coaches going back to the locker room. Generally not a good sign. Um, and so, yeah, it's... Um, you know, especially coming off the knee injury, it's Westbrook's already banged up, and it's ten games into the year. And you know, Oklahoma City's five and four; they're they're staying afloat. Mm. Um, but I just don't know how much. I mean, they really need Westbrook, right? Exactly. That's the thing. I mean, Paul George can only do so much in that scenario, but he's not. Not that he's not capable of taking over the scoring load, but I think at least in the Western Conference, they really need multiple players to take on that scoring load. And there just aren't that many guys on that Thunder squad that can do it. It's Westbrook, it's George, and then it's kind of like, okay, who else are we going to get about 20 points a night from? And I I don't know if you can consistently rely on a single person besides George from that Thunder squad. Not really. I mean, the hope is that Dennis Schroeder will, you know, be that person. I mean, a lot of people... You know, the, the talk is that, you know, he's quote unquote the best backup in the league or the best backup point sure. guard in the league. And that's fine because he that I, I can't really dispute that. But, you know, this year he's averaging in 28 minutes per game, he's averaging 15 points, six assists, but he's only shooting 40 percent from the field. He's only shooting 33 percent from three. So on any given night, you might get 12 and six from him. You might get 20, but only two assists. I mean, it's it's not going to be consistent. And, yeah, it's going to be a lot of relying on Paul George and Stephen Adams isn't like. He can't really get offense on his own very well. Exactly. He'll offensive rebound. He'll put the ball back up. Right. But but you can't you can't really run plays through Stephen Adams. Like you're not going to be like, all right, throw it down to the big guy and let's see if Adams can score. That's not really what his game is. No. He's the gritty, grindy rebounding guy that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, pick and roll guy. So, I mean, he sets great screens and he'll certainly yeah. But he's a facilitator in the sense that not that he's passing, but he kind of unlocks a lot of different things that the offense can do. Doesn't mean the offense runs through him, and that's where. You're essentially relying on Paul George because Russell Westbrook did so much for the Thunder. Paul George now has to take on that load, and maybe Schroeder does too. That's that's a concern to me. And as opposed to a guy like Draymond Green, who suffered a foot injury during the Warriors game on Monday, he did return. Uh, at, like I think at the end of the first half, but then they took him out through the second half. The Warriors don't have to rely at all on a guy like Draymond Green if he's out for an extended period of time. Like okay, whatever, okay. And I think Cousins is coming back or nearing his return and. That already unlocks a different fast of the Warriors' offense. That okay, Green's injury is not that big of a deal, even if he were to miss extended time. Yeah, I mean Cousins, uh, November first got cleared for five on five scrimmages, which is huge. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a huge deal. So I don't know exactly when he'll come back. They have, I mean, they have really no reason to rush him back either. I mean, there's no incentive. They're playing for the postseason already. Like that's yeah. I checked. I checked. Basketball Reference has this. Uh, stack called game score which is basically just their way of like how good was someone's game they kind of like take efficiency with all the other stats according to that westbrook or excuse me durant and curry are the two best players in the league right now they're both on the <laughs> shocker Warriors. and they're shocker. On the same team what happened how about that right and you know draymond came into the season with a shoulder injury he has any it was something he was kind of dealing with last year too like he is only shooting 26 percent from three this year and he only shot 30 percent from three last year He's kind of piling on some injuries right now. 
Um, so I'm, I'm sure they'll give them all the rest he needs. Cause yeah, they, I just, they really just need him come playoff time. Yeah. Well, forgive me. I don't have spot rack up, but I'm pretty sure Draymond Green is among those warrior guys. That's contract is coming up soon. Correct. Yes. He has one more year on his deal and it's for $18.5 million. Um, he, I think he's, I think he qualifies for the super max if he wins. He has to get one of the, uh, one, one of the awards. One of the, yeah, yeah. He has to finish, I think, either first or second in the... Um, Defensive Player of the Year. I think he... Well, he he, he quali- if he gets that, then he qualifies for the Super right. Max. I think that's the case, but I was also thinking the All-NBA teams. I think so, too. Yeah, that, that kind of unlocks that Super Max deal. Either, in either case, I'm wondering if Green... He's going to get paid by somebody. I don't know if it ends up being the Warriors, but the question becomes to you, Alex... Do you think a team should be offering Draymond Green a Supermax with all the injuries involved? And see, I don't think his game translates well as he gets older. We were just talking about Kevin Love and what he does. I'm not sure that Green's game translates into somebody I want to give a Supermax to. That, the guy, I have cause for concern there. Yeah, by the time that comes around, he'll be 30. Um, that's, a, that's an issue. He's 28 right now. He'll be 29 next year, then 30. So, yeah, and the question is, you know, uh, how... You know, can Dre, can you win a a championship with Draymond Green as like your second best player? I don't I don't really know. I'm not sure. That's a hard question to answer because he he really hasn't probably been the second best player on these championship teams. You could you could argue for Curry and you could argue for Clay Thompson, mm-hmm. you know, some of the years they won. Now it's been Durant and you know, like we've seen Draymond's I mean his shooting has been not great the past two years he's becoming less of an offensive option um I mean he still gets you know he still gets great mom assists still a great defender Supermax that's a I think your team already has to be in place you can't yes. you can't be like the Clippers and be like well with our first move we're gonna max out Draymond and then try to figure <laughs> stuff out later like I don't I don't that's, think that's, that's a, a smart move it. I'm thinking of kind of like Amari Stodmer when he st- uh, signed that big contract with the Knicks when Dwayne Wade and LeBron were all there, like even even with all the injury concerns that he had following that contract, it seemed like a bad idea to give him that much money at the time because he really was, uh, I mean, he was a vital part of that Suns team, but it was Steve Nash, and then it was Stoudemire. And I, I feel like that same type of thing is creeping into my thought process with Lou Green. Maybe we're undervaluing his leadership aspects. Like that, there's there's that that you can you probably can't quantify, and I think he probably would be a, a good person to teach your young players. How right. to be NBA professionals, uh, pictures notwithstanding from his Olympic <laughs> trial stuff. But like, I just think that he's went through a lot, and uh, he probably could handle adversity better than a lot of different players. But to me, that that contract is a little bit scary. Um, well, we'll get to injuries for today. Damari Carroll, this is probably the second biggest or biggest injury to note for today's four game slate. He's doubtful. Uh, he's potentially going to be coming back from that procedure that he had to his ankle during the off season. I think he's close, but he's not going to be quite there yet. Um, which, you know, that, that's great it's against the Suns. So like there's, there's some aspect where you might want to use him. I don't think I want to have a Carol share at all. My DFS lineups with coming no. back from the injury from the off season. I don't know. I just, I would doubt he's coming back today. I mean, there are, they, the, the nets are, they got a lot of young players who I think they would rather play than, yeah, than Damari Carroll. I think uh, Torian Prince is going to be the bigger injury to note for today, and he's right. likely not going to play against the Horns with an ankle sprain. And that matchup as a whole, the Hawks versus the Horns, I anticipate is going to be your biggest what-do-I-want-to-do-decision-wise if you're setting a Tuesday lineup, right? Yeah, you you have to—I think you have to get some of that game in there. 
because the the Hawks can't defend anybody, and especially with Torian Prince out. Torian Prince is one of the better defenders. So Charlotte, I mean, this game, um, if I'm not mistaken, has the highest over-under, which it does. We'll get to in a bit, 230 and a half um, on the slate. So, I mean, this Torian Prince being out opens up, because he's a significant ball handler for them, aside from Trey Young. So mm-hmm. it opens up value for Ken Bazemore. DeAndre Bembry is an option. Um, I think those are the two guys that, you know, would see the most uptick in value um, because of his injury. You could argue Trey Young would handle the ball even more. I Maybe. Uh, I think Trey Young's a good play regardless. I do too, yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I just if Prince does play this, and again, he's unlikely with that ankle sprain, he's listed as doubtful currently, that could change. We've seen that happen before. Do you feel any better about the Hawks' chances? I mean, they're listed as 11 and a half underdogs against the Hornets tonight. Uh, and it's not like the Hornets are barn beaters by any means. So like there's a potential, I just, the highest over under 11 and a half points leaning towards the Hornets. If Prince is active, do you feel any better about any of those Hawks guys? Eh, not necessarily. Neither do I. <laughs> that's, uh, that's where I'm going. Neither do I. And that's we can just plainly uh, say it like that. No, nah, I don't feel great about it. Highest price players for Tuesday's slate here. Of course, it's going to be Giannis. In what's going to be a marquee matchup, whether it was four games or 12 games, I think uh, the Bucks versus the Trailblazers, you wouldn't have expected to be one of the better games through the first months of the season. But here we are. And I think it's going to be a fa- fascinating matchup. He's listed at 12,600, averaging about 57 points on DraftKings. On the flip side of things, Damian Lillard is the second highest priced player on today's slate at 9,600, averaging about 45 points on DraftKings. And then Kemba Walker, third highest priced player at 9,300, also averaging about 45 points. Uh, we talked about the Hornets over under 11.5. Well, over under is uh, 230, but the 11.5 leaning towards the Hornets side of things. Every other game is right around one. So it's essentially a pick em, correct, for yeah. most of these games. I think that's an interesting aspect because for a four-game slate, there are a lot of different ways you could hypothesize a game could go. Like there's any number of directions, and I think that makes it kind of an intriguing game uh, day overall. Yeah, yeah. I mean these are these are some interesting games um, for very different reasons. Bucks Blazers is kind of two teams trying to prove that they're at the t- the upper echelon of their conference. Um, like we said before, I'm biased. I'd probably still pick the Bucks. They've been absolutely blowing teams out. Yes. Um, and Mavericks, Mavericks, Wizards, um, two arguably dysfunctional teams. Wizards definitely. Wizards definitely. Um, the Mavericks have been interesting because I've seen a lot of like I've heard a lot of buzz around like some of the veterans not getting along with Doncic, and Doncic is like essentially asserting himself as the team's best player already, and he's 19 years old. And um, there was a clip of like. DeAndre Jordan like literally almost ripping a rebound out of Doncic's hands and like just taking like a sweat like just don't even think about getting this rebound it was it it doesn't look fantastic um and then Nets and Suns just two teams who got a lot of young players who can do a lot of interest like they're just interesting young players on those teams like Levert Ronda Hellas Jefferson Aiden mm-hmm. is is already asserting himself as like a great center like he's kind of already surpassed the like oh he's a rookie he's he's averaging he's like just, 16 and he's a, just he's, a good player like, he's just it, good it, right. right now and his defense is still kind of an issue but still like this draft class has been incredible I, it just oh it's great I mean, like it we had talked about i think in the first or second podcast like this is i think exceeded a lot of people's expectations and the expectations were high of this draft class yeah if any of those guys in the middle round or the you know, the middle picks like 15 through 25 pull a draymond green or a Giannis or something like that and it, it extended to you know, stardom we're gonna we're gonna see 
one of the best drafts I think of all time. That's yeah. It's early to say we're only one month in the season. I understand that, but this has been an excellent draft class, and it's been fun to watch these young guys play. Yeah, it has. Uh, well, before we get to this guy or that guy, uh, let's just say basketball season is not just around the corner, but it's here. We partnered up with DraftKings to bring you a RotoWire six month membership for free. So here's how it works: you go to RotoWire.com/slash/DraftKings, sign up for a new account, and make a ten dollar deposit or more. That's right. You'll get six months access to all the tools and sports on rotowire.com, not just NBA, but you get NFL. And you can hear me say AFC. AFC East. East. <laughs> Actually, it makes sense for the NFL. And that also includes DFS lineup optimizers, weekly rankings, premium articles, and full season draft software, and so much more. All for $10, which you can then enter into contests to potentially win more. So we're super excited to bring you this deal. And if you want access right away, go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings and follow the instructions. Eligibility restrictions apply. And this is, of course, for new DraftKings users only. So see DraftKings.com for more details. Let's get to some of the DraftKings lineups. Let's get to kind of conversations about lineups tomorrow and even players to emphasize first. But John Wall... Devin Booker, 8,800 for John Wall against the Mavericks. Booker, 8,200 against the Nets. I think this is the first this guy or that guy. That really is a toss-up, in my opinion, at the guard spot. Not that any of the previous ones weren't toss-ups, but you could really go in either direction in this case. Right, and both of these guys we know can get you know 50 fantasy points on any given night. Um this is, I mean, this is really tough. Like, this is another one of those that I just put in there, and I didn't have a decision made up. Neither <laughs> of these guys are actually in my lineup, so like, I didn't, I couldn't be like, well, I have this guy in my lineup. So, I think I would rather take the price savings and go Devin Booker. You save six hundred dollars that way, and um, you know, with the flexibility DraftKings offers with positions, you can do a lot more with that six hundred dollars than you could do on some other sites. Uh, so I think, I think I'll take the savings on that one and, and go Booker. That was my direction too. And it was, and I, I probably lean this way too much to a fault. And I had seen it work effectively, uh, you know, in past seasons, I had emphasized Clay Thompson as our, in our week one podcast about somebody that I, you know, I liked a lot and didn't do the three point shooting. And I considered him last uh, week when we had done our podcast and of course the that night when i didn't suggest him he had he hits it's the record for most three-pointers in the night booker has a bit of a better chance to hit the three-point option i think than john wall yeah and that's that's the only reason ignore the the 600 savings which is important but in this case right. i i just think booker is going to give me a bit more viability at that guard spot and that's kind of what you're looking at when we're talking about three-point shooting 600 plus the additional three-point shooting I like Booker in that sense. Wall gives you a bit more of that uh, steals and blocks, which you were talking about before. But I, I like Booker in that way, too. So I'm leaning that direction. How about Karst Levert at 7,200 or Chris Middleton at 7,000? So Levert is playing, of course, the Suns. Middleton playing the Trailblazers in what's going to be a marquee matchup. Middleton's been a guy that we've been targeting quite a bit in these first two weeks of doing podcasts. But in this situation, I almost wonder if going against the Suns is the better route. I would agree. I, would, I think if I had to pick one of these two guys, I would go Levert. Um, yeah, Middleton. I mean, I I always talk about Middleton and Bledsoe. It's probably like annoying at this point. Um, spoiler alert: I have them both in my lineup again this week. Um, but Lavert, like he handles the ball way more, acts way more as a point guard than Middleton, who is a good passer in his own right, but does a lot of three point shooting, a lot more just standstill three point shooting. So, I think I would rather in this case pick someone with the ball in their hands who. Also has you know thirty five to forty point fantasy upside. Um, this game will you know I 
I want to say this game, the Nets Phoenix game, will probably be closer than Portland Milwaukee, but I, the spread is even, so I I don't want to make that assumption. I actually think the Trailblazers are going to give the Bucks a run for their money. I understand what you're saying and how they've been playing recently, and I get all that. I just think that um, maybe it's the Wisconsin fandom of me having seen great teams disappoint in big matchups, <laughs> particularly recently, <clears throat> Packers. Uh, I, I I think this is going to be a closer game. It's worth pointing out Trailblazers are all the second most fantasy DraftKings points in particular to that small forward spot, whereas the Suns actually allow the third fewest. So, you know, Levert's going to have to take on more of an offensive role, and we, we knew that moving forward. They just don't allow that extracurricular points, whether it be rebounds, assists, uh, turnovers even. Like, there's not a lot that the right. Suns are going to give you, which is kind of surprising given the reputation in the past years. Yeah. Trailblaze is a different story altogether, and I think it's in part because they're just scoring so much. They're running up and down the floor even more so than most teams. So yeah. I lean towards Middleton in that direction, but I don't think you can go wrong with either, particularly because they kind of are in that weird, uh, I would call friendly zone for DraftKings slate in particular, where you're trying to pile up as many 7,000 guys as you can. And that's kind of the direction I think you have to have both of them in your lineup, or at least consider both. Right. And you might, I mean, Levert only qualifies as small forward and Middleton qualifies as shooting guard and small forward. So you may have to, you know, depending on the other guys you have in your lineup, you may just kind of end up with Middleton because you could play him at shooting guard um, as opposed to Karis LeVert, who you can only play at small exactly. forward. I mean, you can play him at forward also, and but you can't play him at the, the one guard spot. You yep. can play Middleton in, in four spots, shooting like shooting guard, small forward, actually five forward, spots, guard, yeah, utility, including. Yeah, you can. Yeah. And you can only play LeVert in three spots right. so i think by default middleton is going to be in your lineup one way or another this is more of a conversation do you want lavert in there as well my sentiment is no i think actually at 7200 i don't want him in there but middleton is almost a certainty in that sense another certainty is deandre Ayton at 7500 at the center spot i think he's about rotowire had him the highest value on the optimizer slate for DraftKings tonight and i i don't disagree with that at all yeah 7500 is a great price for him i feel confident against a, a nets matchup that's okay not great i just think that he's playing at a different level right now and he is a focal point of that offense guys to consider that center spot though Jarrett allen at 5200 in the averse matchup to aiden or ronda hollis jefferson at, at 4800 versus the suns right and so i mean you because of the utility you can end up with two centers like i you know I have Nurkic in my lineup, mm-hmm. but I didn't put him in in this specific segment of the show because I didn't think he there was anyone around his price range that made sense for this particular thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting that both of these guys qualified center around a Hollis Jefferson and Jared Allen, and they're both on the same team yeah. and roughly the same price. It's weird to see Hollis Jefferson as a center option. Like I'm still it's getting nice. used to that. <laughs> it's it's nice. a nice option. It is a nice option. I agree. Um, so you can get a little you can get a little crazy with that. Um, but I. I kind of lean Hollis Jefferson here. I know that's you're not saving a ton of money. You're saving four hundred uh, dollars, but Allen hasn't been getting. He's been getting like his minutes have kind of been up and down. He's been hovering around that like twenty five point range. They like to play at Davis, um, and Hollis Jefferson is he's finally looks like he's close to full strength or at full strength, or they're willing to play him his usual workload now that he's coming off that hip injury. He was limited to like minutes in the teens through the first like four games. Now he's back in that 22 to 30 range. And we know he can put up 30, 35, maybe 40 fantasy points um, on any given night. And at 4,800, I mean, that's that's a steal. And I know Allen is block upside, um, but it's not an easy matchup for him against Aiden. So I 
Like, I I'm, think you could go either way, but I would lean Hollis Jefferson. I, I'm copping out of this one and saying neither. Like, okay, if you're going to go with a 45, like a sub 5,500 player, there's probably I, I want the small forward power forward spots to be targeted as opposed to the center. I, I'm DeAndre Ayton's a lock in my lineup, and I understand what you're saying with Nurkic too. But right. I'm not realistically going to have more than one center in my lineup at least tonight. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to be opting out entirely from that conversation and looking at guys like Bembry or even Ilyasova at that 43, 4200 range. That if I need price savings, that's the direction I'm going. So that that's just I, I want to kind of stick with this this guy or that guy theme because it makes a lot of sense. But for a four game slate, there are very few 44 and under options that you're looking for, kind of cheaper options right. out there. And I think that I would rather have the option at the, the shooting yard small forward. Yeah, just give more p- position flexibility if anything else. Yeah, that makes sense. We've kind of discussed, I think, the majority of the prime players that we want, our, we want in our lineup. So I'll, I'll let you just run through quickly which you have for your lineup, and I'll, I'll say mine. Of course, it's subject, subject to change based off of injuries, but I'm more interested to spend the next couple of minutes afterwards just talking about players or teams for tomorrow's slate that might interest you the most. Sure. Um, pretty much as always, it's a tradition at this point. I have Bledsoe and Middleton. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> at point guard and shooting guard. The upside, like, I... I could, I could go on all day. Um, small forward, I have Levert, uh, who we talked about. Uh, power forward, Ronda Hellas-Jefferson. At center, I have Aiton. Uh, at guard, I have Kent Bazemore, and I figure he, he could get a boost with um, Torian Prince out. Um, at forward, I went DeAndre Bembry, who I also figure could get a boost um, with, with Torian Prince out. And he's not a great scorer. He doesn't take too many shots. He kind of tops out at like 11 shots, but he's a good rebounder for his position he averages like seven and a half rebounds per 36 uh i think he averages over two steals per 36 and over three assists per 36 so he's got a lot of ways to get you fantasy points at 4300 and then at utility i have nurkic um centers don't perform as well against milwaukee as they used to um but at 6700 i feel like he kind of nurkic kind of fit in my lineup he's got 40 point upside he's been playing well like very well lately He's been consistently hovering around 35 fantasy points, and um, I feel like that I just I slogged him in. He fit. Yeah. No, I, I get and And really the difference in our lineup is Nurkic. Um, I, like I have Doncic at, at 7,300, uh, more who I think is the best value play on tonight's slate altogether, especially with Prince out at 5,900. Bembry, 43. Ilyasova was the, the one wild card, and that was kind of the cheaper price. Of of the uh, eight teams playing tonight, the Hawks. Get, oh, I'm sorry, the Hawks. Yeah, I'm looking at Ilyasova and thinking of him as a hawk and right. not a buck, which is uh, blasphemy, especially to Nick Whalen. <laughs> uh, the 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 Trailblazers are by far the most points at the power forward spot. It was picking which buck did you want to pretend was going to be the power forward. That was <laughs> right. the real issue for me. And Ilyasova gives you a bit more upside as far as the three point shooting. I don't anticipate getting much from him, but. 20 points isn't isn't that much to ask for so that's going right oh yeah that's kind of why i lean that direction and he allowed me to get uh well deandre ayton first is in that line of course but he allowed me to fit trey young into that spot and at the guard spot 7300 i like that if bledsoe is your um well i'll just say uh, i didn't know i don't want to say that word so if bledsoe is your go-to guy um as far as putting into your lineups, Batum is my go-to guy okay. where I just incessantly talk about him. And for reasons, just blocks, steals, and rebounds. Like I don't even care about the scoring, and he does next to nothing when it comes to assisting. I just love all the other extra stuff he gives you at 6,500. Yes, give me that at my forward spot. And 
blood so unfortunately rounds up my utility spot because I just want to talk about <laughs> a little bit more for you. Let's go over to Wednesday's slate, uh, and I'm sure the other guys who are doing the Wednesday podcast will discuss it more. I There's a lot of different intriguing matchups overall. Is there any players in particular you want to highlight for a Wednesday slate? And of course, we have no prices to really base this off of, so it's kind of who do you like the most out of Wednesday's slate? Right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna assume Russell Westbrook is out. I I think it's I think it's safe, especially with how serious it looked that he was being helped off the court yesterday. Right, and the Cavaliers aren't good, so I'm going. I would take a strong look at Dennis Schroeder. Um, we talked about that he's inconsistent, might not be a great cash game play. It all, it all depends on his price too, because we've had it. It's not it's not a back to back. It's not like the prices have been set artificially low. His his price should increase. Mm-hmm. So take a look at that price because that's going to matter a lot. Paul George is always on the table, especially on a Cavs team that, I mean, are they going to make great passes? Probably not. Is Paul George great at getting steals? Yes. So he could end up with, you know, three, four, five steals. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, And that's a ton of fantasy points. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I'm just intrigued in general by the Bulls-Pelicans game. That should be. Why wouldn't you be? (laughs) Right. I mean, the pace in that game is, I'm, I'm. the over-under in that game is going to be ridiculous. So you got lots of players that, that I think are in play there. Um, the usual guys for New Orleans, um, you know, your Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, Miritich, Randall, I, I suppose is an option, even if uh, Davis is healthy. The Bulls, Jabari's always an option. Um, he's inconsistent, obviously. Wendell Carter Jr. has been playing out of his mind right. lately. Um, Levine, always an option. Um and then I just have, you know, the the Wolves play the Lakers, Jimmy Butler. Um, the Lakers can't guard shooting guards. Not even It's not even a question. I think he put up 60 fantasy points against the Lakers last time they played. I have to double check. Um, My concern is how consistent are the Timberwolves as a whole going to be? I mean, they've, they've lost games, it feels like, in the last couple of weeks by 40 and 50 points, respectively. I'm, I'm worried that... The blowout factor, not against the Lakers specifically, but I'm just worried that there's always that chance. Butler probably would be my highest priced player, gun to the head right now in my lineup for tomorrow. But I think that there should be some real concern that this this is a, a dysfunctional team, much like the Wizards, that maybe Butler doesn't get what we're anticipating he could get. Right. And I, I should clarify that he is technically a game time decision right now. Um, this is, I'm going to just read our note word for word here. Butler indicated that he's unsure if he'll play Wednesday against the Lakers. Uh, This is from Chris Hine of the Star Tribune. Jimmy Butler said, quote, I'm still taking in how we just lost. Um, They lost against Monday. uh, They lost against the Clippers Monday. Quote, I'm not even worried about tomorrow or the day after that. So he's just he's an emotional wreck after that loss. (laughs) And it may his, you know, his kind of his sadness and his disappointment in just everything may drag into Wednesday, and he may just really not feel like getting out of bed, so he might not play. Um, keep that in mind. But if he is feeling well enough emotionally to play um, after Monday's loss, then I think I think I know it's dysfunctional the team. Everything I'd still pl- I'd still this, strongly this consider playing. Just saying that Butler's going to be too depressed to play against the Lakers Wednesday. <laughs> he is every reason in the book. He's like, oh, I'm just kind of sore. Well, you know, I didn't get a good night's sleep. I'm just really sad right now. Like, ever, you know, anything he can use. I would probably not sleep very well if I was having fun in Los Angeles either. I don't blame him. Wait, is it is it a home game? I didn't even check. Is it a home game or is it in Los Angeles? Um, That's a good question. I wouldn't sleep in Minnesota either because I would just be too bored. That would be the problem. I, just, I suppose you'd think you should be able to sleep pretty well in Minnesota, but wrong. 
wrong I'm, I say to that. Um, <laughs> this is this appears to be in L.A. Okay, good. Then then my initial point stands. I wouldn't sleep very well because I'm having so much fun in L.A. Yeah. Let's let's ignore Jimmy Butler and his sadness. <laughs> is there anybody from the Knicks side of things that you might be interested? In? The Knicks play the Hawks tomorrow night. Of course, the Hawks we talked about earlier. They are coming off a back to back, or they will be tomorrow against the Knicks. Dysfunctional, yes. Uh, no idea who's going to do well. Yes, all the above. But there probably could be some value against a Hawks squad that seems to allow everyone to top top points when it comes to fantasy wise, especially DFS. Oh, there's gonna there's going to be insane value in this game. Like <laughs> who that's it is, though. Who yeah, it is? no question. Like you may as well just make eight different lineups with one, you know, eight, you know, eight different Knicks in there. But um, I mean, Tim Hardaway. Okay, so Tim Hardaway didn't get off the bench yesterday against the Bulls even though he was, I think, medically cleared. I'm not really sure exactly how that situation went down, um, but he never got off the bench. But Tim Hardaway Jr. used to play for the Hawks. They didn't want to sign him. This is kind of a, re- a revenge game for him if he plays. So if Tim Hardaway Jr. plays, you're a person who likes narratives. I think he's he's strongly in play. Um, other than that, I mean, so we have this um, tool that I literally – recommend to everybody who plays dfs on our website if you go to the nba tab on the rotowire website you go to the bar that says stats you go all the way down look at team trends you can kind of sort it's it's like a heat map of how players their shot attempts their minutes their DraftKings points um and the the DraftKings points breakdown heat map for the knicks is like unreadable it just there's guys all over the place who had 30 points at any given night like <laughs> like Emmanuel Moutier at 28 DraftKings points last night. Like, what are we doing? He didn't even play the first. It's just for those, Frank Nilakina's got 30, but then he puts up four. He had four fantasy points yesterday. Trey Burke had 14, but then earlier in the year he had 32. It's like, it's complete For chaos. those listening on the podcast and unable to have any visual comprehension of what Alex is talking about, it looks like the blood, spat, uh, blood spatter scene from Dexter. Like, it's just, the red is all over the place. It extends across the entire page. And we were talking about beforehand that it's certainly the most variance I we've seen in any of the team trends. I don't know about... This year feels a given lock, but even past seasons, like, have you seen anything like this as far as guys that could go off in a given night? It usually doesn't get this bad until March. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, once the teams have, once that, the teams have decided, that be the slogan for the Knicks. Yeah, <laughs> it usually doesn't get this bad until March. <laughs> Hashtag Knicks 2018. <laughs> That's really that really should be their slogan. Yes. You know, they're like benching Angus Cantor. We're like ten games into the year. Mitchell Robinson, who didn't even play college, like he just you know sat out a year. Mitchell Robinson sat out a year instead of going to college or doing anything professionally. He's starting for the Knicks this year. I mean, this is insane. Not that he's. I'm not trying to like just put him down or anything because he's a talented player, but like this is this is wild. Um, so yeah, and honestly, if you look at almost any other functional team in the league, you can. There's like a very clear hierarchy of like four guys who are accounting for the majority of the teams, you know, who who will get 30 fantasy points on any given night. Um, And then, you know, here and there, based on injury, there's other guys farther down the list. But, I mean, it's, this is, if you had a, you may, it's it's not even a coin flip. It's like you have a dice and you put a player's head on each side of the dice and you roll it and you're like, that's the guy I'm playing, like, to get the value. So, I. It's probably too long of a hashtag, but. It doesn't look like it gets this bad until March. It probably should be one that we could utilize in future podcasts. And, man, that could be a segment in itself. Uh, And that's the Knicks summed up for 2018-2019 season already. Boy. 
All right. Well, that does it for us. <laughs> Thankfully or regrettably, I'm not quite sure, but that does it for us on the Tuesday NBA podcast. We'll be back. I think we're going to be back next Monday, uh, so long as there isn't any you know minor inconveniences that crop up that force us to have to move this podcast around. But uh, right. you can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. And Alex, we haven't really been pushing this podcast out, but where can the people follow you at? So it's Alex uh, underscore NBA Rutha and kind of combine the NBA with my last name. If you you can find it if you go on um, if you go on the RotoWire website or just Google my name, my Twitter will oh, show wow. up. Oh wow, okay, Mr. Big Shot, just Google <laughs> Alex Perutha and we'll be able to find the, me. Just the, fine. The, you see, I don't know how to say that without sounding like you know without pompous. without sounding pompous because it's like, well, I probably <laughs> should have made my Twitter hashtag less like of a mouthful to like read off to people. But at this point, I'm not really sure what do. I could change it. I suppose change the links around. Um, but until that happens, I'll just. But until then, just Google <laughs> just me. Go- just Google me. You'll find me wherever you wherever you want. This podcast has gone off the rails in the last ten minutes. Here's <laughs> Alex talking about the Knicks and how bad they are. Just Google me. Yeah, you can find me and tweet. Google me for all my takes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll be back to uh, Google Alex next week, either Monday or Tuesday. Until then, best of luck on your fancy rosters. 